a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. Today, our episode is going to be our second character profile ever. Um, our first one was over Boba Fett, and this one is going to be over Obi-Wan Kenobi. Once again, we went over Boba Fett because of the Book of Boba Fett that's coming in December of this year. And now we're going to be going over Obi-Wan uh, in honor of his show that's coming out next year, 2022, on Disney+. Plus. We haven't gotten an official release date, but I thought that it would be um, appropriate to kind of go over what we know about his timeline in canon. So without further ado, let's dive into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir! Alrighty, so like I said, in today's episode, we're going to be profiling Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, who is one of my favorite Jedi. He's probably, I think, in my episode, wherever I was on with Sean and Jeb, I ranked him as number three in my top five favorite Jedi. Um, in my previous episode with Scott Bonsega, I said that I thought that he was the only, um, or he was the most likely person in the Star Wars, uh, universe to be able to pick up Thor's hammer Mjolnir, uh, because if you don't, if you aren't aware, I realize I didn't explain this in the last episode, but only people who are worthy as deemed by Odin, and I guess the hammer itself, um, only people that are worthy are able to pick up Thor's hammer Mjolnir, and I thought that Obi-Wan would be uh, really the most likely person to be worthy to pick it up in the Star Wars universe, but that's getting a little off topic. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a bio first. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was born on the planet Stujon, which, a uh, little bit of a tidbit, Stujon uh, was actually created canonically by George Lucas himself, and it was a combination of uh John Stewart's first and last name um, because that was one of his favorite comedians um, and so that's why that's Obi-Wan's homeworld which I thought was pretty cool uh, he was a Jedi and he served on the High Council during the Clone Wars era he actually took the council seat of Jedi Master Colman Trabor who was killed during the Battle of Geonosis the first Battle of Geonosis um, his master when he was a Padawan was Qui-Gon Jinn and his apprentices um, were Anakin Skywalker during the prequel era, and then Luke Skywalker during the original trilogy, and his lightsaber color was blue. Uh, those are just kind of the basic uh, bits of information that I have for you, and now I'm going to be diving into a more extensive timeline, followed by some just kind of random facts or just notable facts. So starting off, like I said, he was apprenticed to Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn, and then before the events that we see in the movies, he both protected Satine Kreez during the New Mandalorian Schism, which I talked a little bit about uh, in my episode about the Mandalorians back way back at the beginning of this podcast. I think that might be episode either 10 or 12 or something like that. It was somewhere at the very beginning. Um, but Satine actually becomes a love interest for Kenobi, which I will talk about a little bit later. And then they also were tasked, uh, he and Qui-Gon were tasked with uh, protecting the Princess of Pigil. And this happens during the events of the book Master and Apprentice, which follows Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, uh, kind of before the events of the Phantom Menace, but just kind of following one of their little missions as Master and Apprentice. 
it's a it's a fine book. I think that there are much better uh, Star Wars reads out there, but it's canon and it's a fun time. So I would recommend it if you had any interest in, in that. Um, moving into the Phantom Menace and moving and moving forward, um, obviously there are going to be spoilers for the movies, but I'm basically just going to be hitting kind of the highlights of his career as a Jedi. So he was sent to Qui- with Qui Gon uh, to settle a trade dispute on Naboo and was. Uh, eventually stranded on Tatooine following an escape from the blockade around Naboo, which leads to the discovery of Anakin Skywalker, the Chosen One. Then after returning to Naboo, he and Qui-Gon have an altercation with the first Sith seen in over a thousand years, um, who is, of course, Darth Maul. And then after Qui-Gon is dealt a fatal blow, Obi-Wan triumphs over Maul by cutting him in half. Um, Notice I didn't say that he killed him but we'll get to that a little bit later uh qui-gon passes away leading obi-wan to take anakin on as his apprentice to fulfill qui-gon's final request moving into attack the clones obi-wan and anakin save padme Amidala from an assassination attempt by zam wetzel um and then obi-wan discovers a planet is missing from the jedi archives while uh trying to find who is trying to assassinate Padme. He's kind of following a trail where it leads him to Dexter Jester, and then he goes trying to find uh, the origins of a poison dart that was used to kill Zam Wessel before she could give uh, he and Anakin the uh, identity of whoever hired her. Um, anyways, so Obi-Wan travels to the missing planet called Kamino, and there he finds a clone army that is built secretly uh, on behalf of the Republic by on com- a commission by Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas, who had died 10 years prior. Um, Obi-Wan then follows the clone template Jango Fett, who's a bounty hunter, to Geonosis, where he is captured by Count Dooku and the Separatists. Uh, after being rescued from the Geonosian arena... Anakin and Obi-Wan confront Dooku and lose to him in a duel, which and they're ultimately rescued by Master Yoda. Now, I'm about to talk about his career in the Clone Wars, so if you haven't watched that show yet, uh, feel free to skip over this. It probably shouldn't be too, too long. Um, but I don't have too many big spoilers. I'll let I'll try to let you know if, if there's anything super big, and I'll try to uh, have you cover your ears. So during the Clone Wars... Uh, Obi-Wan fought as a general with the 212th Attack Battalion with uh, Marshal Commander Cody uh, as his second-in-command. He freed the Twi'leks during a Separatist occupation of Ryloth. He aided uh, Mandalorian Duchess Satine Kreese with a uh, terrorist group called Death Watch. Um, helped, not aided in the terrorism, but aided in kind of uh, finding out who was behind them and then uh, kind of putting it into them for the time being. Um, he was present during the Citadel rescue of Jedi Master Evan Peel. Uh, he went to Mortis with Anakin and Ahsoka, which I have a whole episode about um, Mortis that I had uh, Jack Pittman on for. And um, so if you are interested at all in that, go back and listen to that. It was a fantastic episode. Loved having uh, Jack on. Um, he then infiltrated a separatist plot to kidnap the Chancellor by faking his death and impersonating the bounty hunter that did the job, which is a fantastic arc in the Clone Wars, and I would highly recommend it if you haven't watched it already. Um, 
and then uh, this is probably the biggest spoiler, so if you want to just skip ahead a little bit, probably like 30 seconds should be good, but he also battled Darth Maul on several occasions after the presumed dead Sith re-entered the Galactic Theater and Maul actually kills Satine in front of Kenobi as a kind of um, uh, as an attempt to kind of get Kenobi to, to turn to the dark side. Um, so anyways, I'm just going to give a little bit of time for people that skipped ahead. But um, anyways, yeah. So that's about all. I, I'm sure I missed a couple notable uh, missions during the Clone Wars, but that's about all that I could come up with off the top of my head. Um, in Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan aids in the rescue of Chancellor Palpatine during the Battle of Coruscant, and then is sent to engage General Grievous on Utapau, um, because we see that General Grievous and Obi-Wan have an extensive history, which we also see during the Clone Wars show. Um, uh, Obi-Wan ultimately defeats Grievous only to be shot off a cliff by his own clone troopers executing Order 66, which is the clone order which uh, kind of sent out and, uh, and essentially marked all Jedi as traitors of the Republic to be executed. Um, and I, I talked a little bit more about that back uh, in my episode about uh, the history of the Grand Army of the Republic over the summer. Um... Ultimately, Obi-Wan defeats Anakin, or at the time he is Darth Vader, in a duel on Mustafar after his former apprentice turned to the dark side. And then he goes into exile on Tatooine to watch over Anakin's son, Luke, after Padme dies uh, during childbirth. Um, and mind you, Obi-Wan is not raising Luke. He brought him to his uh, family there, which are... Um, his uncle and aunt, Aunt Beru, and um, Owen Lars. Uh, and then the next bit I have uh, is him in Rebels. So once again, if you haven't watched that, go ahead and skip over this. But um, in Rebels, Obi-Wan is not in it too much, but he finally defeats his nemesis Darth Maul after a short altercation on Tatooine, which is such a beautiful and well-done scene that... Um, it deserved to be on this timeline, and it's a very big milestone for Obi-Wan, and I, I plan to go over this duel in, in great detail at some point on this podcast. Um, then, in A New Hope, uh, Obi-Wan accompanies Luke to deliver the Death Star plans to the Rebels, um, and then ultimately sacrifices himself to save Luke, Han, and Leia, and uh, also Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2, while dueling. Darth Vader on the Death Star. Um, and then, following that, he kind of acts as a sort of guide and mentor beyond the grave after becoming a Force ghost. Um, so that's Obi-Wan's timeline for the most part. Now, going into some various facts, Obi-Wan was actually a relatively weak, Force-sensitive individual when, uh, like when compared to other Jedi. He became as formidable as he was, uh, as we see him, like in the movies and in the Clone Wars, through intensive training, and um, like even more intense than most Jedi because he kind of had to work that much harder to get good because he wasn't as innately talented in uh, the Force as other Jedi. Um, he was a master of Form Three of lightsaber combat, uh, Sorsu, which is the defensive uh, form. Because, once again, his attunement to the Force uh, limited him in his ability to be 
uh, super ambitious with his movements, like with Ataru or Jem So. Um, so he kind of played to his strengths as being a master of defense and essentially being able to outlast his opponents um, by tiring them out and being on the defensive pretty much the entire time. Uh, he actually considered leaving the Jedi Order to be with Satine, um, which is pretty crazy, especially since, in my opinion, Obi-Wan is kind of the model Jedi. And even he was tempted with uh, romantic attachments, um, which ultimately did not pan out, as we know. In Legends, he went to Shmi Skywalker's grave every day of his exile on Tatooine to apologize for letting her son turn to the dark side, which is so heartbreaking. And so, I it's so, I so, so very much hope that this is something that they incorporate into the Kenobi show because it, it just embodies Obi-Wan so perfectly, in my opinion, because he cared for Anakin so greatly and was absolutely devastated and really felt like he had failed, like he said in the movie, um, whenever Anakin turned to the dark side. Um, he took it very personally. That being said, he spent 19 years in exile on Tatooine and was 57 years old when he was struck down by Darth Vader. And a lot of people say, well, he looks a lot older than 57 because Alec Guinness played him originally and they had no real timetable for how old he was before, uh, during the Clone Wars. And obviously Ewan McGregor is a lot younger. And so the, uh, the reasoning that they give now is that since Tatooine has two sons, it kind of ages people twice as fast. Um, just the, uh, like the increased sun exposure kind of like physically makes your physical appearance look a lot older than you actually are because your skin kind of gets a lot more weathered and uh, wrinkled and tired looking a lot faster. Um, he goes by Ben both when he's undercover in the Clone Wars during the Bounty Hunter arc and also when he's in exile on Tatooine, which I think is a cool little uh, tidbit. And his relationship with Anna converged on forbidden attachment and don't come at me saying that, like, um, I'm shipping Anakin and Obi-Wan together. That's not at all what this is. But it's attachment in the sense that he and Anakin were so very close, almost like brothers, that it actually made him unable to kill his former apprentice himself on Mustafar. He kind of let the lava do the job. Um, kind of, like, essentially, like, he couldn't bring himself to strike him down because of his love and attachment to him like a brotherly love and therefore vader was allowed to prosper if obi-wan had just walked down to the lava bank and cut anakin's head off vader would have never plagued the galaxy and the emperor might have had a little less success or at least been a little slower in his uh rise to kind of absolute power throughout the galaxy without having vader there to kind of do his dirty work um so that's about all I have to say, except for I read the book Kenobi recently, which is a Legends novel, and I think that it has some of the best content it's a, it, that I've read so far in Legends books. And it's, it's a very quiet book, meaning it's not super action-packed like the Darth Bane trilogy is, but I think it gives such cool insight into Obi-Wan's life kind of very soon after he goes into exile. And I'm hoping that his show draws a bit of inspiration from this book, because, and I think that it will, but just kind of him dealing with the guilt. It's a lot of survivor's guilt of being one of the only Jedi left, but also just 
immense guilt about being connected to the reason for such darkness spreading throughout the galaxy in the first place. And then also him trying to lay low, but also keeping true to his Jedi Codex of helping people that are in need. And just kind of that dichotomy. And also the reasoning for him going by Ben Kenobi. Um, because I think a lot of people are kind of confused about why he's trying to lay low, but he still keeps the name Kenobi. I don't know. But it's um, it's explained kind of... It's explained in an interesting way, and I would, I would highly suggest uh, that people... Uh, read that book or I listened to it on audiobook and I thought that it was really fantastic and I'm going to talk about it a little more next week uh, in an edition of I Have Spoken I'm going to do a bunch of books that I've been reading but that's about all I have for this profile of Obi-Wan Kenobi if y'all want me to go into a little more detail about anything feel free to email uh, twinsontoxicgmail.com happy to elaborate on anything that y'all would like me to um but yeah, this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave y'all with a little bit more. Alrighty, so today's more, and I'm surprised that I hadn't gone over this before, but Weird Al Yankovic uh, wrote a song recounting the events of The Phantom Menace from Obi-Wan's perspective, set to the melody of American Pie, called The Saga Begins. It's my, my, this Iranican guy, maybe Vader someday later, now he's just a small fry. It's a great song. Uh, my family sings it a lot and my mom there was a showing of the phantom menace that like returned to, to uh theaters and it was like a 3d showing and i went to it for one of my birthdays as a kid and my mom was like i knew it was happening um during the the movie because she knew that the like the lyrics of the song really go through all like they hit the major points in the movie um and it's a super funny song so i would encourage all of y'all to go out and listen to it uh if you have the time and shout out to my mom um yeah that's all um but anyways that's all i have for this episode uh if you want to follow us on instagram at twin sun talk subscribe to us on youtube twin sun talks podcast follow us on uh streaming platforms twin sun talks that's about all i have you taking your first steps into a larger world may the force be with you and i will see y'all in the next episode bye friends